Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Holy hell, what a day. What a, uh, a journey trying to get this uh, this uh, cluster bleep put together. But yeah. we are here. We're there. I've got a handheld microphone, Alice. This is new for me. You sound new good. New for me. This is, you know, this is like when Bruce works without the guitar, except I'm not Bruce, <laughs> and without the talent, <laughs> without the fans. Um, okay. So now we have a guest with us, and he is... Somebody in the chat wants to know if you worked at FTX, and that's the surprise. Yes, as a matter of fact, I, I did work. I was in charge of uh, Not you, security our management. Guest. Oh yes, that's right, that's right. Get right up against that mic when we go here, Adam. Sure, His name sure. is Adam Bloom. He is an entertainment manager and producer. He's uh, out of Los Angeles, California, Hollywood. One of these types. So kind of people. Are very, I, it's very tough for me to get guys like this in captivity, but I have an in because he's married to my cousin. Yeah. And so, um, and so I'm able to talk to you because I'm fascinated by your business. I'm fascinated by. By and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but right after high school, tell me, I went to, uh, I took a day long class on how to be a super uh, celebrity in Hollywood. I could tell, yeah, the day, <laughs> and it was all about like make sure you're very discerning about headshots, and then you know, and and you know, act like you don't care when you get your first you know sure. tryouts, whatever they call them, auditions. And uh, it said, find a good local acting class, one yeah. that's kind of small, not, not, not the Kmart of acting class. The Kmart was a thing back then, sure. powerhouse. And, um, Wait, so the Kmart of acting classes was a, saying it was a high level or low level acting class? Uh, that, they said, stay away from those. They're the, saying it's bad. It's yes. like cheap, lame. Exactly. Right, right, right. Like, uh, like glamour shots, essentially. Got it. But yeah, for yeah. acting. Yeah. So, um, so I went out to California. I moved into um, the. Newport Beach, Balboa oh, cool. Peninsula. I worked with a bunch of people who were actors. One wow. kid was getting um, McDonald's commercials, so he wow. was thrilled. And I got high for six months and didn't do how, anything. How is the McDonald's friend now? Do you still talk to him? No, no, no. He's yeah. uh, in the stratosphere. He's probably, I don't know, maybe he's yeah. somebody. But So anyway. So, I think commercials are pretty good work for yeah, actors. Yeah, it's, it's great money. Oh, 
crazy. National, national I mean, commercial, yeah. So the people who I knew get really close there. Adam okay. Ralston, it's it's going to mostly catch the the psychotic that's the, uh, four year old. The goal. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to so sorry. Is that okay? Oh yeah, you're, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So, but what I found is when I went over there is that just half the people were half assing it like me. Sure. Who just washed out, fell in love with how beautiful the place was and the party yeah, scene. Yeah, it's really really pretty. Um, and then there were some people like the McDonald's guy, yeah, who was like almost making a living. And yeah. to the people I knew, that was that was the level, that was success. Totally. There was no like being a superstar. Sure. You know? It was like if you could possibly like work in the business as anything. Yeah, survive first. Right. Right. And do that. Yeah. And so you went to you went to Emerson. Yep. Which is where you go to be in the entertainment industry, broadcast industry as well. They get a big radio yeah. program there. Um, one was that a waste, or is that is that? It was really good. I mean, I think you know one of the best things about going to Emerson is um, I met my wife, who also went there, mm-hmm. your cousin. But also, um, it got me to Los Angeles. I don't think yes. if I went to any other school, I would have right. ended up in Los Angeles because it was such a, a scary place. I grew up in Connecticut, so East Coast guy. Right, was barely ever out west at all. I don't really know if I had been Nebraska was the furthest so right um yeah so it got me out there and uh, I fell in love with it and and so I think I do have to owe all that to Emerson because I wouldn't have been there so did you get uh, like internships for Emerson yeah Yeah, well that's everything then right like getting on set or in the building in the office yeah um in the realm is like they have an internship program your senior year most people do with their second semester so they can like just get a job right away but that was like too scary for me so I was like, yeah. I'm going to do a first semester. So I knew I had the safety net of coming back, right? So I went my first semester and then came back, graduated, and then moved back in August because I – and there are some jobs out there that – the job I wanted, which was like being a development exec and eventually a producer, mm-hmm. um, and now I manage as well. It's like you didn't really know, know those existed, like right. from the classes. It was huh. a lot of physical production. It was stuff like that. So they didn't teach me a lot. I remember I went and I learned, like, you're reading scripts, you're doing coverage. My right. internship was at Silver Pictures, which was, like, kind of known as, like, an intern factory. Uh, that's, like, Joel Silver did all these like, all the action movies, like, a lot of the action movies mm-hmm. from the, the 80s and 90s. Um, and I remember I came back to Emerson, and you took, like, an inside Hollywood class. And it was kind of – it was a little silly. Like they would but just, it sounds sexy. Probably if you're a 21 year old, you're like, yeah. "Oh man, here we go." Yeah, it just wasn't real. It was like some teacher yeah. in Boston to tell you like what to wear. Like I remember, it, at the time, it seemed silly, but like it was a book, and it was like, if you're a writer, wear this, and if you're a producer, wear black, oh, and it's just like Jesus. <laughs> oh um, man. But yeah, some of those books are, I think generally they're they're healthy. Like they're trying to help. There's probably a couple mm-hmm. good things in each one of them, but some some are better than others for sure. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. the same thing for getting into radio for like people yeah. into broadcasting school. Yeah. And it's like make sure that your intonation is from the deep part of your chest. Like when you get to a radio station, you are battling to be the mailroom kid. Totally. Yeah, there's no voice printed like that. That's yeah, yeah. It. All that's out the window. Right. You know. I mean. Learning, learning the stuff about cables is probably useful. Yeah. Other than that, it's totally out the window. I still remember in Emerson, like a physical production class, they tried to teach me how to like to roll a cable. To this day, mm-hmm. like you do it like a snake, like an order and something. Yeah. I'm, to this day, I like can't do it correctly. What is this? Well, I assume though that when you've got when you got your first gigs out there, that you were a one man band. I assume you had to do everything. There was no time you had people, right? You were like when you first when you've got your first gig, were you like a scrub? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So my first job ever, I was like a PA for the World Poker Tour. Not my first job ever. My first job out there. Okay, that's really, a personal assistant. 
right? Yeah, okay. right. A production assistant. Pro- I'm sorry. So you're production running around. A, I mean, it, it stands for both, but yeah. that one was production. So I was running around the set, getting people coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my first job kind of on the path that I wanted to be at was being an assistant uh, at an agency. It was a smaller agency mm-hmm. at a time, big TV packaging agent called... Um, it was BWCS, it's still for like Broder, Webb, Turbin, Silberman. Yep. They did like Cheers, and I think they did, I don't know if they did the Cosby show. They might have done Roseanne. So they had all this like TV money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got a job working for a TV feature executive. So he represented writers and directors as an agent, which is what I do now. But at the time, you know, I'm a manager, he was an agent. So that was my first job. Um, and it was tough. Let me, before we get to that one, yeah. when you talked let's, about the Tom, beat. let's back up. That's right. Let's take a 50,000 foot look now. Let's unpack um, that a little. Yeah. yeah, let's. Well, you know, I said the word like a scrub job or whatever, but uh-huh. the PA job, I assume, is hugely valuable. valuable. Yeah. Because if you don't suck, if you're not a mouth breathing moron, you might stand out from some of the other kids. Yep. And if you have drive. And everybody the needs best some. The person I ever hired to work under me in e commerce was a person who did that in, yeah. in Hollywood, like on TV shows and stuff. Yeah. And like, she was awesome because she would do anything she would like call the parking company to make sure like we could park our cars at whatever we had to be at to yeah. do some project or you know she just like would handle things no yeah. that's that's clutch and everybody needs that if you can make somebody's life who's important if you can make their life a little easier yeah then you stand out your value you've got value it's just like i guess the the, the challenge would be for you is how much do you want to take it I mean, I think, yeah, learning to say yes mm-hmm. was big. Um, I remember when I was interning at Silver Pictures, I think it was after I had left. Um, so, sorry, yeah, I had interned there when I was at Emerson. Um, somebody else was interning, and I guess Joel Silver, or not Joel, but one of his minions, asked this person to sweep the porch mm-hmm. or something of his office. Yes. And he, like, reported it to the school, being oh. like... I am not demeaning myself to like sweep this guy's porch, and oh. yeah. and I remember at the time because I was you know I was doing anything right. right. To, like I was kind yes. of you know I knew how to say yes, and you know I look back at some of the stuff I did and it was ridiculous. Well, right. who the who? I mean, what's the audacity of a young person saying I'm not demeaning myself? Mm-hmm. You're in Hollywood, California. You right. are demeaning yourself yeah. to begin with, and but then as you too. get more important and fam- more famous, you're demeaning yourself in a different way. But it, it right. never stopped. Sure. Every, we're all prostitutes, you know. Right. It never stops. The gigs change, and the Johns change, and uh, what you know, what we call ourselves change. But well, yeah. But I mean, I've worked in the fashion industry, and it's the same with like the internships, where intern like they tell you like, oh, you're going to be learning all kinds of stuff, and it's not just to get coffee and do scrub jobs, but it's absolutely to get coffee and do scrub jobs. Yeah. Right. And the people who are working for like actual money in the company are also doing a bunch of yeah crummy work too. Like. Welcome to life. Nobody's, you right. know, it's not all glamour all the time in any job. And it's almost like the more you do that stuff, the more you get the access to learn stuff. Like I, I noticed that for sure when I was interning. Like the more you were, you know, open to doing anything and being helpful, people were like, oh, this person is like right. doing a lot for us. And, you know, I didn't sweep the guy's porch, but if he had, the person who made him sweep the porch might be like, oh, yeah, he swept the porch with a grin. Like let's give yeah. him, let's what let a- him learn this or whatever. I mean, it's incredible because it's such a, it's such a positive uh, opportunity yeah. to, to go above and beyond for somebody, whether it's demeaning or not. I've also found that, and maybe you found this too, that people, especially if they're in the doggy dog world, yeah. like for me, when I was in, first starting radio, it was the sales guys who yeah. were always hustling and always, always they're alphas and, and girls too. And they were bringing in revenue, but they would never stopped hustling. Yeah. When you were helping them out and doing it with a smile and a yeah. force for positivity, they wanted it made them feel good. Yeah. Even though they were sharks, 
to help you out to do right. you a solid. It was almost like a reverse manipulation, kind of, mm. right? It's like if I do this for this person and I do it with a grin and I don't like question, I'm going to do it. Like it's almost like they owe you, right? And yes, it's like, yes. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to, oh my God, like he did this. Like, yes. Or it's like you're almost, you're, yes, it's the job, whether you're getting paid or not, if you're in that role, but it's almost like you're earning a favor back, kind of. Yes. Right? It's yes, like yes, when so. you turn around, and you go to them and like, hey, help me find a job. It's like, oh yeah, you didn't cause, you were, you were nice. You did all this stuff. Like it was clear that you wanted to do it. So. Right, so and that's—I mean—that's in any occupation. I think right. that's pretty much how it goes. Hey, yeah. can you help your uncle Jimmy? Can you help your uncle, maybe? Yeah, go help Uncle Jimmy. So he needs help. When you were the production assistant, yeah. Um, at first, what was uh, what what sucked about it, and what was good about it? I don't remember anything sucking about it, just because it all kind of sucked. Like you yeah. knew you were low man on the totem pole, um, and I also, you know, I was just—I just remember getting the host coffee. Yeah. Um, and I was just so enamored by the whole thing. Like, it was just so, you know, I was excited to have a job. Yes. I was at, you, on a set. Yeah. We were at a casino. I mean, being on a set itself yeah. is cool as hell. With yeah. the freaking, you know, the the food trucks and the, the sounds yeah. of the generators and all that stuff. I yeah. mean, as, I assume that does that wear off? Um, It does that wear off the you, excitement? You, yeah, the luster of it all. No, I don't think so. I mean, I at some point was on set not doing that, right? Being a producer. And yes. It's it's really exciting. Like, it's still really exciting, right? It's just kind of different. Um, so, no, I don't think it wears off. It's kind of feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm part of something special right now. Like, something yeah. interesting is happening. Like, all these people are getting together, working together in this kind of unique space mm-hmm. um, that before you're doing it, you're not used to. So, it felt cool. So, in radio, a producer really is a guy who gets all the stuff, puts it all together, sure. brings all the guests in, does facilitates all the things that need to happen yeah. so that the host can take jump shots yeah. on the air. Yeah. What does a producer do in Hollywood? I mean, I think it's probably similar to that wherein, you know, it's a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and every, I don't know if it's, if it's like this in radio, but it, depending on what the project is, it's always a little bit different, right? Yeah. So... Um, a lot of people ask the question, it's kind of a, the, the cliche question of like, what does a producer even do? I don't mean your class question is cliche. I just mean like, it's a go-to thing that everybody already asks, always ask. And yeah. for me, it was like, you help, you do different things at different stages, right? Like you help shepherd it to get sold, right? Mm-hmm. You find a piece of material. Like for example, um, you can come up with an idea. You can find a writer to write that idea. You can find a director who wants to direct it. You can kind of put together okay. this package, bring it out to buyers and try to kind of sell it. Um, and this is you're selling at this point the idea, the concept. Yeah, a, you could a pitch. Yeah, or right. You could have okay. them write a script. So there's a billion different versions of what it could be. So I like to just tell people you're just kind of helping shepherd a project from the very beginning um, to the very end, right? Through right. inception, through it being released and in the world. And it, it's not always that. Sometimes it, you kind of come in halfway. Um, it's tough. Most people outside a- assume we're making a porn, just so you know. So we've got a small crowd. We're not. <laughs> right, thought, we are. We are. Yeah. That's coming. Alice, can you excuse us? <laughs> this is a weird. Here. This is a new concept. Yeah. <laughs> a new concept. So, by the way, so when you get the, your pitch together, you've got the screenplay written. You've, sure. you've got a guy in place. You've got the. I don't know who else you had need to get. Or you got a wardrobe person. Whatever you. Whatever the elements that you need. N- not that. For not a that while. far. Yeah. Okay. No. It's at first. It's just kind of. A, it's usually just a writer, and right. sometimes a writer and a director, and sometimes another producer. Right. So if um, if I'm just managing something, uh, managing the writer or director. Uh, it would go get a bigger producer, someone who is like a known quantity okay. quantity that people know and like adds value to the project. Um, and if I am producing it, sometimes I still try to bring on a bigger producer that has more clout and can get it done. Gotcha. Most of the time, they're like, who is this guy? So and you're doing the pitch to get the money, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you can start production. 
uh, start developing it as a script, right? Okay, so, so we're not even pitch, at production correct. yet. Correct, right. Yeah, so if Alice had an idea, she was like, hey, I want to do this movie about this guy with a dog who like turns into an octopus. Yeah. I'd be like, cool, let's like figure out what that is, and then let's take that to all the people that would buy that and mm -hmm. tell them that idea, and hopefully they get really excited about it. Okay, and if they really get excited, if one of those people says, you know what, I like this, this, yep. is, this is perfect. They'll pay First her to write it. They'll pay her to write it. Yep. Okay. Um, the not a treatment, a full script, a screenplay. Correct. It may start with the treatment. That may okay. be the first step. But usually, it's for the the treatment would be part of a bigger deal. That would be the, a treatment and a script. And when they pay her to write it, is yep. it theirs? Yep, they own it. Okay. Yeah. And it, so at that point, but usually probably with some kind of deal that the writers like cut into it in some way. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. the writer; they're paying you, and, and the the goal is to have you be part of the project forever. Right. But sometimes they have to bring in another writer. Mm -hmm. to fix it or and then they might bring you back right like i've seen that happen before too it's like they'll have alice do all this work she'll get it to the 20 yard line for maybe political reasons or something they have to bring in a bigger fancier writer to do mm. another pass to bring it 10 more yards and then they bring her back and we're like okay cool now you bring it home um so it's interesting is that all do some writers just screenwriters just have so much luster that if their if their handprint is on it it's considered to have more credence, credibility? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think there are some writers that um, studios and financiers are so familiar with and feel mm -hmm. so comfortable with and have delivered for them so often right. that if they give it to them, they're going to feel safer. Like, okay, cool. For you know, Michael Arndt, he's a huge name in, in screenwriting. And I remember for years, Disney was paying him like $10 million a year just to kind of like work on a handful of their Pixar projects and other projects. Um, and I, I assume that if you if they gave it to him – they would feel more comfortable. Like, okay, yes. cool. He did his pass on it. It's going to be better now. So um, that brings up an interesting point because I think a lot of people feel, someone in the chat asked, will Hollywood ever make a good movie again? Um, I thought Top Gun was pretty good. but um, yeah, Top Gun was great. But I, I do think that sometimes Hollywood plays it like super safe and they only go with projects that are like remakes, sequels, sure. uh, based on really popular books, yeah. comic book movies. Like, I mean, yeah. there's, and it sometimes seems like there's nothing that's not one Original, of those things right. out right now. Like, so is that how do how do things like that get made? Who takes a chance on those? It's a great question because I, I think people feel that way a lot. I mean. A lot of times they're business decisions, right? So it's like, yeah. of course, making a Harry Potter movie based on the books is a much better business decision than making your movie about the dog who turns into an octopus, right? Even though that idea is more Even original. though how much money did the Fantastic Beast movie, the latest one, make? Yeah, not, like, not, not a ton. much. Yeah. Those. Yeah, but isn't the definition in Hollywood a good of a good movie a movie that brings in box office, right? It's a business. I, but that movie didn't do that great, and I assume it cost a fortune. Which one? Today. The, the, the most recent Fantastic. Yeah, movies? no, it didn't do that well. Well, nobody's going to feel good about something if if not nobody's getting paid. I mean, at the end of the day, if the if the investor doesn't, so we're, we're asking him to yeah, separate the business no, no. and the art here. He can't yeah, win either way. No, there's the two things, right? It's like, can is a project going to be commercial and make a ton of money, right? That's yeah. one metrics to to rate something on and measure, yes. measure something on. And then there is it a good piece of art, a good story. Are the, do the critics like it? Is it going to win awards? Like those are two separate things, and very rarely are they the same. Right? <laughs> and like Top Gun, it was a great example of that this year, right? People are even talking about like, is it going to get nominated for best picture? You know, best picture, which it should. <laughs> like probably five to ten years ago, it wouldn't have. No, right. No matter what, just because mm -hmm. it wasn't like an art house movie. It's kind of this big popcorn movie. But it might. There's We're, ten slots well, now. So. It just it seems so unlike. It, it kind of would be a good 
I think it would be a good branding decision for for Hollywood to do it. So because it's, it's not a guy it falling in love Oscars, with a yeah. jellyfish, you know, right? It, it, it's, but I mean, I think isn't Tom Cruise uh, like in some circles there considered somebody people? Don't t- I have no problem with him, but I've heard that people like do we don't we don't want anything to do with Tom. He's Cruise. Well, he told people sure. not to take antidepressants. So that yeah, but was... why is I don't understand why he's controversial? Cause there's a bunch of Scientologists in, in Hollywood, right? Yeah, I think it's gone on the decline. I don't know though. No. Oh. Yeah. I think it was for a while. It was like this kind of like, oh, that's a great way to to advance in Hollywood. And I don't know if it is anymore. Well, let's hmm. let's go after that question in a different way. Will Hollywood ever make a good movie again? Because sure. there's more good content now coming out of L.A. and other places than ever. Sure, it's just on different platforms. Yeah, so it might not be at the multiplex, you know, like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's never returning to that, right? It's always going to be so all this distribution everywhere like on, on this tv in this little house here yeah. in south carolina where you, it's got ruco or whatever ruco, it is and disney yes. plus and a thousand other ways to watch some really good stuff right so but a lot of it was made a long time ago too well, what do we use it to watch we use it to watch old classic disney movies we watch the sopranos we watch like yeah <laughs> i mean we're not watching you and i yeah, really but the sopranos is a good made- it, it, it was a good. It was a TV show. That, but you what know. is that? Twenty years old now. Right. Yeah, I mean, there used to be a huge difference between film and TV. Like people in film wouldn't ever do TV. It was like this really second class thing um, that was kind of garbage, and you were mm-hmm. failing if you were on TV, right? Um, and that's much less the case now. That's not really the case. It's almost like reversed, right? Doing yeah. prestige TV is the thing everyone's doing, um, and. You know, it used to just be like shows like The Sopranos or Six Feet Under and like stuff on HBO was like anything that people would even consider doing. And now, you know, everybody's doing it. And some of the best art and the best storytelling is on TV, right? Mm. Is these kind of like either limited series or just a normal series and it's on one of these streaming platforms. So, And people even talk about like there's always – I love Harry Potter so I'm always in those like fan communities and people are always saying like they want that remade as a TV show now like they want one season they want HBO to do it with one season per year at Hogwarts and do the whole thing like but I think people's mindset about TV has changed and about like I think it used to be really a a matter of course that if you adapted a book or something else that you would that so much would just be cut And, and now because of in part, I think because of online fandom for various things and and because people are more open to binging 10 hours of something, yeah. like that mindset has sort of changed and they're like, oh yeah, we can adapt this in totally nitty gritty detail and you know, over a really long period of time and people will watch this for all these hours. Like it's, totally. it's fine. You know, if you watch like even older, even older like Pride and Prejudices and, and or uh you know Jane Eyre's like adaptations of those books yeah. back when like Laurence Olivier or, or Orson Welles was were doing movies like that. They're like they're so chopped up and cut. They they're missing like huge sections of the plots of the books. Right. And, and now it, now they don't do that so much anymore. Yeah, because they're on these ser- series mm-hmm. where they have all this yeah. more t- all this time to play with. Yeah, and yeah. they go on forever. But um, yeah, the Harry Potter TV show. I'd watch that. That'd be fun. Has there been a migration of um, of talent and uh, writers, etc. Who have just abandoned the the studios for? Well, I guess the studios still do the TV, but have moved from from feature films. Yeah, I think everybody. I don't think it just stands. I don't think it's just movie stars who are doing TV now. I think there's a huge community of people who would only do features, you know, ten, twenty years ago, and now are down for TV. Um, I think the TV business has changed a lot. I'm not an expert in it, but I, you know, have 
heard a lot about how the paydays are a lot different in TV. Like some of the kind of runaway hits that were like very lucrative, right? Like the Seinfelds and the Friends, like that yep. doesn't really exist anymore in TV. Right. But I think that's like a that's a different conversation. Will there ever be a good movie again? Yes, I think there. I think there are some now. Um, I think it really depends on like how you define what that is, right? What that, what does that mean to you? Will it be in theaters? Um, I mean, Top Gun. We already talked yeah. about that. There are. Would that have been know. in theaters if, um, if there wasn't an international market? Because really, that's where they're making all their money, right? I think it did really well domestically. I think it did really well internationally too. I think they were gonna, they wanted that to go to streaming, and they fought back, and they oh. said, "No, we're gonna put this in the theater." And it was a huge. Everyone loved it in Hollywood because it just showed people the power of like having a movie in the theater first, yeah. and the the power of the movie star, right? Like for so yeah. long, people were like, "Do people even care anymore?" Like, are people even going to see a George Clooney movie or a Matt Damon movie? Is that getting butts in the in the theater? Yeah, and it was like unclear. And then you know, Tom Cruise movie comes out, and it's huge, and. Yeah, and he, I don't know if you saw it in the theater, but he did that pre-roll where he, like, thanked, for pe- thanked people to come. Yeah, I think I did see that. Coming yeah. into the theater yeah, to see him. Cool. It was an interesting appeal for, to, for them to work with people. So when you're, um, when you're uh, managing, so you manage, uh, let's say, a, the, the produ- producer in this case. Um, I, I manage um, writers and directors. Writers and directors, yeah. okay. So not, not producers. So where, what stage in the process? We've got the screenwriter in. Yeah. We've got a good screenplay. We're mm-hmm. pitching somebody. Yeah. They like the idea. Then they say, okay, we want, we want you to write the whole thing yep. and make it pretty, whatever. Yeah. At what point, what's the next point in the process? Uh, there's a bunch of different answers to that. In the, the perfect process, they would say, great, we like it. Alice did a great job writing this movie. Let's go make it. Right. Let's start. Let's get a budget. Let's put it into production. Who's they at this point? The financier. Okay. Who, if we're talking about a studio movie, would be the studio. So it would be Sony, Disney, okay. Universal. Um, and then at this point, do they say, um, so long, Adam, it's been fun. We'll take it from here? Well, so if I'm producing it, yeah. then no. Then I'm attached to it the whole oh, way. Okay. Right? If I'm managing Alice, they're kind of two different roles, and it can get a little bit confusing. Right? Yep. So if I'm Alice's manager and I'm not attached to produce, then I'm just overseeing Alice and helping her get the job and, and maybe reading her drafts sometimes, sometimes not. And advocating on her behalf, Correct. I assume, in case they, she's getting pushed around or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, making sure it's going well, yep. helping wherever I can, playing, you know, doing the politics, trying to help with all that stuff. Is um, there a, um, a hand-holding aspect to that? Like um, With just, the, with, the, the client? Yeah. Would yeah, you? but in a good way. Yes, no, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, um, you know, being a, a friend, someone to talk to, someone to yeah. bounce yeah, there's, stuff there's off. Yeah, there's like a fun um, therapeutic element to it, mm-hmm. you know, like giving advice, talking about the politics of it. I mean, before I was managing, that was one, one of my favorite things to do, right? When a friend would call me who would ask me uh, in the business would call me and ask me a question about something that I was not connected to at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't part of my job. I wasn't producing it or anything. Right. I would love giving them advice. I'd be like, cool, this is what I would do. Here are the angles you're not looking at. Um, you know, you're a director, you're a writer, you're not looking at it from this kind of political side or this backside. And then right. I realized before I became a manager, that's one aspect of being a manager. Right, right, right. right. I love that. Let's do it. Right, because yeah. I, I assume that, that if you're dealing with with a writer, then everybody's neurotic. But, I mean, this is their, this is their art. They've now bared their soul to somebody, to a bunch of people who are prodding through it. Yeah. And I assume that you're just very... You're very open to You're very uh, exposed, to, yes, to criticism, yeah, to being hurt, yeah, um, and it's everything's so heartbreaking, and, and the odds are always so. The odds are against everybody, right? The yes, o- the odds of stuff that gets made, just from a numbers point of view, um, are they're just low, 
You know, like it's I, I don't know what exactly the odds are of, of numbers of things that are written or I mean, not even the things that are written, but the things that you're are sold versus what get made. Yeah, it's rare. It's a very um, so I'm going to ask sad, about that in a, yeah. in a second. How- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. How does that pitch go is that always over a lunch or could it be over no it's a meeting it's a I mean, meeting it in the be, studio it could be an, it literally could be in an elevator it could be over lunch there's it could be anywhere so if somebody gets excited about it but 99 percent of the time it's in an office um in a meeting at a producer or an executive's office okay and this is when the pitch is crucial yeah so basically if al's had a pitch mm-hmm. um uh, if i was just her manager i would call up every producer i know and be like, hey, there's this pitch. It's super excited. Alice wrote it. It's fantastic. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. She's a fantastic writer. You've read her. You're, if you're if you haven't read her, you need to read her. She's very talented. You have to meet this person. She would go in there. She would go in there and she would pitch them for 20, 25 minutes. Tell them the story. Right. There'd be some um, just get you to know you conversation first to start things off. And then she would pitch them, and then they would talk about it a little bit afterwards, and then she would leave. And then I would follow up with that executive. Very rarely, they'll, they'll say, I love this. I want to do it in the room. Sometimes that happens. Okay. But then the producer would call me and say, hey, I want to do this. Interesting. So they'll hide their cards right there. They yeah. won't emote in front of them. Sometimes they have to talk to their boss. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need to um, think about it. Sometimes they need they have some follow-up questions, or they need to read something. Yeah. So when you know, when I used to write columns. You know, the lead was all important. I wrote for a tabloid, mm. so it would be like uh, the the lead in the column would be it was a press conference for the ages. Mm. You know, something to yeah. get people in, or you know, uh, this politician spit fire last night, something like that. Yeah. To, you know, whack them. Um, do you do you tell clients to? To have a lead, to have a, a pitch that's captivating, it's yeah. die hard in the bus, like yeah, that totally. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I do send that over the phone when I call them. Yeah, but yeah, no, the pitch, the performance is huge. I mean, mm. you know, sometimes preparing for a pitch can almost take as long as writing a whole script, right? Like, oh my goodness, sometimes it can, depending on like yeah. how much effort you want to put in. You know, I've seen people videotape themselves yeah. performing and. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an art and it's very lucrative and it used to be much more lucrative. It's it's gotten more rare now selling something on a pitch. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely its own kind of art form. It, it's funny. There's all these different, you know, because a lot of writers, you sit in a room and you write all day. You know, it's kind of this solitary thing. And then all of a sudden you have to get out there and be like, you know, performing it. I've seen a lot of writing partnerships where, you know, one person is the better presenter and the other person ah. maybe is the better writer. Um Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So well, because I guess it's literally a job interview. Yeah. So, 
I and, they hear, and they hear them all day. And yes. most, most of them are horrible. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I, I would assume that if you're well, the... Well, and they're a super huge investment. So it's... Yeah. Like, yeah, you totally. don't want, It's a high risk, a high reward. And there's so, much, there's so much work. Yeah. Like, it takes years right. to do. Is, um, who was the actor who was saying... I forgot what it was, but an actor who's made it big now was saying his job in Hollywood was to go to um, auditions. Hmm. And that's it. And he, as soon as he... Took his expectations down from getting gigs yeah. to my job just to go out there and do additions. Yeah. That's it. That it it calmed his uh, his heart rate down. Totally. Is there a way for people to, other than reps, is there any way for people to work the nervousness out of their systems? I mean, I think kind of changing your... I, I think an exercise like that's really smart, right? Like mm. make, it, make it really about the numbers. It's like if you just put your head down and just kind of keep going forever... Like that's a really good mentality mentality to have, right? The worst is like when you set a because I know a lot of young writers who would come out to Los Angeles or would enter the business and they're like, I'm not gonna be happy till I get an agent or I'm not gonna be happy till I get a manager. I'm not gonna be happy till I sell this script or whatever. And it's like that's risky. Like you yeah. should just be like, I'm gonna do this forever. Like the first thing I would used to tell people is like, get a job so you can pay your bills. Like don't say, yep. hey, I'm the, I can only pay my bills if I like sell something. It's like that's a lot of pressure, man. Like, yeah, figure out how you can like live your life and then just commit to writing forever. And then if you do that and you write a little bit every day, like you'll get really good at it. It's interesting. It, it does play against the, you know, the romantic notion that gets a lot of people over oh, there. Totally. That I'm going to write a script in my right. Know, yeah. Shed. It reminds me of, do you remember that thread that went viral a while back with the writer from the usual suspects who basically said like, you know, I've had stuff not sell. I've had like people, even though I've had this huge movie, people still won't take any risks on my work. Like yeah. they won't like in the best way to do it is just to do it. Just yeah. write stuff, just make movie. Like you can make a movie on an iPhone if you want totally. to. Like yeah. you could, the best way to make movies is make movies. You know, I, I heard basically. Dan Harmon. I saw Dan Harmon. I think on TikTok say something the other day that kind of inspired me. I don't write, but I thought it was just a really good um, way to look at life. He was like, you know, when you go to write, your goal should be to prove to people that you can't write. Like, just get there and just start proving to people right. you can't write. And what he means by that is just if you if you need to prove to people that you can write, that's so much fucking pressure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, you'll just maybe never do it. So if you just prove to people, like, if your mentality is I'm just going to start writing, it's just a way to take let the steam out and be like, just relax and just write. Hmm. And just try, <laughs> try to write horribly. And it's almost like a mind trick to get you to just keep writing. Well, it's interesting, too. But I, I would also think that that people, prospective employers or, or people who are going to green light stuff, want to see that somebody's hustling. They want to see that they're doing something. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because people ask me because I've been in, I've done radio stuff and podcasting stuff. Sure. Like, um, how do I like um, do podcasts or how do I get into radio? Well, the answer yeah. is the way you start to do a podcast is to do a podcast. Sure. And the way to get into radio is get into radio. Yeah. And then once you've done that, then come back and we can talk about other stuff. Sure. But you need to get in there, yeah. convince somebody that you're the best person to mow the lawn for the studio and yeah. then, you know, find, get a weekend gig and then get an overnight gig and get called in when somebody called. I mean, you have to show some initiative that you're that you were willing to like get out there and at least get dirty to get in the game. Sure. Rather than this is like, a, where, 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 where's the secret expressway? Yeah. Okay. So, so we've, the studio says yes. Yep. They're, they've hired your client. Yep. And to write. Yep. Um, and it's, it looks like they're going to put money behind it. At this point, are you still telling your client, 
don't get ahead of yourself. Don't buy a a, 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 a BMW. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, there's still a chance this can die. And is it? Is it at this point? Is it probably still going to die or sit in purgatory? Uh, if they, you said, are they? The executive loved it? it. Yeah. Are they putting money into it? Other than the, just for the script? Well, they're excited about the script, and yeah. so it gets that far anyway, and the executive seems to be excited. They call you afterwards, and they said, they talked to the brass, and they're, they're looking. Where did most of them go to die? Sure. Most of them get stuck at that level, right? They mm-hmm. stop, and then they're done, and then the studio doesn't want to spend the you know millions of dollars to make it. Because from that step is when you jump in. So to pay Alice to write it costs anywhere from... You know, seventy five thousand mm-hmm. to three million, depending on where Alice is in her right. career. Relatively and, small money. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah, big money for me. Relatively so, small. huge money <laughs> yeah. for everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah, but compared to the money they have to put into making right. it and then eventually marketing it, um, they it's still most of the time they'll say, you know what, like we'll just chalk that up to a loss because we do mm. it every year, right? They spend, yeah. it, they make a ton of scripts. And then they decide, you know, which ones to make, and it's always, you know, much a much smaller number. So they're used to kind of writing off development spending. So they decide. Usually, there's like a green light committee at some of these studios. I mean, right. back in the day, way before our time, there were, you know, single guys. There were these legendary heads of studios who would like decide what to do or what not to do, right. whether to make a movie or not. Now there's a much more kind of bureaucratic system. Um, you know, shareholders, all that stuff. Well, I so, assume shareholders. I assume the um, the um the uh, the chief financial officer is involved at the end of the yeah. day. So are, are there not people like that anymore? Is that and that brings up because like to me the most interesting entertainment news this week was Bob Iger coming back to Disney. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, like, is he somebody like that who's like? I mean, I know that's not exactly his gig, but I think some like, of the bigger. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just like you know. Do companies like still need somebody like that, like a Bob Iger, somebody who's in a leadership role and is making decisions about the direction of like where this company is going, what we're doing, and like do they get lost without that a little? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I'm very under-equipped to to answer that with any authority, um, but yeah, I mean, I think Bob Iger, I assume, has some you know input or they they run by him the really big movies right to talk Mm -hmm. about the brand and the direction of the company obviously he's not doing the day-to-day script reading you know that's kind of the head of production and um the chairman above him um but yeah i think you know obviously i assume companies need that and yeah it used to be kind of the bombastic heads of the studios and all the studios are named after them right like Mm -hmm. um the warner brothers like those were actual guys Mm -hmm. who i think would decide what movies they wanted to make and stuff like that um and that's kind of gone away so now yeah they get the head of marketing to come in they get yep. the, the financial guys to kind of run the numbers and project what it's going to do i mean you saw especially with the streaming question now yep. right that's a big that's a big thing like, yeah, yeah. is it going to go to streaming or not so in that room who's the chief advocate for the movie the original executive who signed off on it because Prob- it's his ass on the line right well it's probably the executive who is not isn't the president right it's right. probably you know the creative executive or the vice president or right. whoever was working with the writer hands-on, they wanted to go because it's their project, right? Yes. And then the president would probably say, yes, I like this. Let's kind of present it. And then – and every studio is a little bit different. But then, yeah, the green light committee would kind of decide whether or not they're going to make it. And does he have somebody who's working with him who's who's going to do a PowerPoint on the ROI that's guaranteed with his next hit? I think so, yeah. Are? Yeah, they kind of present the the, yeah. the comps, right? They're always comparing it to other movies that are similar or might be in the same genre and stuff like that. Yeah. Are, is the is this process for you 
thrilling because it's a lot of it seems to me a lot of ups and downs, a sure. lot of uh, exhilaration and heartache. Yeah, a lot of what seems like a celebration turns to permanently on hold. Yeah, um, and, you know, you could you could just be an accountant and right. work nine to five and get sure. paid fine every week. You yeah. know, it, like is is the process the the fun of this? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it's definitely exciting right they're definitely kind of the ups and downs are, yeah. are definitely thrilling they're also like heartbreaking so yeah you know i tell my clients a lot of the time like we'll have a good week right something good will happen and i'll yep. kind of remind them to like cherish this and celebrate this and like have a great weekend because this was really good and next week hmm. we don't know like anything can happen even yeah. even when a project goes you know super well i think you know bringing it back to top gun which we've talked about like everyone who's made top gun they had a really good year right because it was you know the director, the writer, um, the producers, the studios. But when your movie comes out, it's always like, what's next? Right? As soon as a movie comes out, even right. if it's a huge hit, um, you have to figure out what, what you're going to do next. Right? So the, the glory only lasts for so long. <laughs> so you really need to kind of like make sure you celebrate the small victories too. Because if you're just waiting for that big victory, um, you could be bummed that you waited. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I mean, you've got your own shop kind of, right? right. So it's yeah. not – I mean, um, yeah. you're not – You've got to earn as you go. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. The expense account situation is very different. Yeah. Yeah. I went on my own. Yeah. Um, I used to work for companies. You would kind of have that infrastructure. You would have that support. But yep. ever since I kind of went on my own, um, yeah, it's different. It's definitely like a little. Is bit the like, autonomy worth it? Like, is, I think is, so. Yeah. 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 I don't, it would be hard to go back. Yeah, yeah. Just because you're kind of your own boss and you make your own decisions, and I, I realized that back when I was working for somebody else. Um, I cared more about what they thought or like how I was looking yeah. at the company. And now it's like all I really care about is like the work, right? Mm. Like are the clients happy? Are the projects good? Are we doing that? And it, it feels it feels different. It feels better. I hate to say that. What's the word? It's it's almost I – mean, God forgive me for saying this. And I apologize. Sure. But it seems like almost like a zen thing where you found a peace of mind and comfort. Yeah. Which isn't like the Ari Gold, yeah, kick ass, flip the table over kind sure. of thing. Um, but it's a good way to be able to breathe in a pressure cooker like yeah. like LA is, which is survival, I think, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, um, you know, for me it works, and it's definitely worth it, you know? Have you had clients or known pr- people who you could tell that they don't have the person, they don't have the mindset, the temper, the temper? To handle what the, the did ride they're about to go on. Young Tom Shaddix and did you? Did, did, there were other, people who could well, kind of, have why, you, why did you move to Newport Beach? <laughs> why? How did that happen? Was, that's a question I had that from the beginning. You moved to Newport Beach. Yeah. How did the Newport Beach decide? Because that's kind of off. That's not yeah. kind of far from Los Angeles. <laughs> there were some strategic uh, <laughs> misfires from the beginning. Exactly. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> I kept looking for the Hollywood sign up in, near Fashion Island. I think it's somewhere here, around here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, no, it, we, I got an apartment and it looked cool. And I got it got a job at a grocery store. So that oh, was, nice. So I was like, okay. Ralph's? Vons? No, it was a, not a chain. It was called the Hershey Market on Balboa Island where John Wayne used to live. Oh, cool. Fact, where they, on the island, as a matter of fact, they shot the beach scenes in the sands of Iwo Jima. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so... Um, so yeah. So what I mean is, did you know people who t- who were too fragile, who just broke, and they're they're now like working at a Denny's in Nebraska? Not really, but I, I'm sure it definitely happens. You know, there's definitely, um, you know, when it comes to clients, writers and directors, or, or people I'm working with, it's always just about kind of like 
their work, right? Like it does the, do I, basically my job is find a piece of material that I'm really excited about and then get everybody else excited about it, right? Right. Like that's the beginning of the job. After that, there's a lot of kind of like um, analyzing, consulting, strategizing, like for their career, what do we do next? What do we do next year? What do we do tomorrow? What do we do in five years from now? But at first it's, it's very basic. It's like, am I excited about this? Cool. Now I'm going to call 150 people that I know and tell, get them, try to get them excited. Right. And that's the job. So there's like that salesman aspect. Too. That really is sales stuff. Yeah. So, so, so do you, do you not really have a hand in the, well, I guess your creativity is used to it craft the sales. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, uh, I'll have an idea yeah. and I'll be like, Hey, try to find a writer to do that. And you know, sometimes it's a client, sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes a writer will come and pitch me their ideas and we'll work on those. Um, sometimes it is very hands off and someone like has given me a script and it's done and now I just love it. Now I need to try to get somebody to buy it. Um, so there's like different levels of my involvement on the creative side. So it kind of really does vary on a situation to situation basis. We are talking to Adam Bloom. He's an entertainment manager and producer in Hollywood, California. Did you find that there were an inordinate amount of weasels in L.A. when you first moved there from New England? Um, I don't know if I'd call them weasels. There's definitely a Los Angeles, you know, persona of, yeah. you know, a lot of it can be very ego driven, mm -hmm. especially if you're hanging out in the wrong places, right? If you're going to the places where everyone's just trying to look beautiful and, yes, and yes, be, yes. be noticed, it's right. like, you know. So you want you learn where those places are and then you avoid them as much as you can. I work I when when I got over there, I um I worked at a telemarketing place for which got raided by the FBI after oh, I nice. left, which was boiler room. Essentially, it, and everybody in there was um was Elias from Die, Die Hard yeah. or Ellis from Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. It was all the same guy, all That's gleaming funny. teeth, all doing cocaine in the bathroom. Sure, all sure, there sure. was like, man, this place is full of weasels. Yeah. But um but um yeah, no, I just it was it was a it was a bit of a turnoff, and it's funny because they they could tell that I wasn't from there. Yeah, I remember one kid saying, "Are you from you from New England? Probably Connecticut or something." Close, <laughs> it's weird, but um, yeah, there's a lot of transplants, and it's there is um, you know it's funny. I recently had a kid like 11 months yes. ago, and it's very strange thinking that I'm gonna you know raise someone who's from Los Angeles. Like that's very yeah. weird because I mean when you he's got a great it's Oliver Bloom. I mean that kid's going places. Yeah, it's got a ring you to know, it. Oliver Bloom. Yeah. Why didn't we do Oliver Bloom, Alice? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> are you, you guys going to have more kids? No. <laughs> what, you guys, are you going to stop at 14? You need to have more kids. Let's roll. How many kids you guys have? Four? Four. 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 I've seen four. I'm sure you have some others around here somewhere. Very possible. Hit I don't know. I, we haven't done... Tom wouldn't really know. Yeah, we haven't done we a head count. So we had four at one point. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't at know. At least four. Do, what are your reservations about raising your son in L.A.? Oh, um, I, it's a great question. Um, I just always, it was, you know, tons of transplants in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I would say the most of the people I was friends with, I only have a few friends who were born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know, something different about being grown up in Los Angeles. I don't know what it is. Um, it I is, can't, I can't put my it finger is on it. shockingly beautiful. I mean, it yeah. is absolutely yeah, we were just there a few months ago, and it was I, I just how thanks, like, thanks for the call, by the way. Oh good, yeah, it was no, good no, to see you. Yeah, we just wanted to avoid you, so yeah. we were just <laughs> no, no, no. We we had a tentative date, and somebody got sick. Somebody, oh, I do remember that. Right. Yes, 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 yes. It was Lily. Uh, but we were um, we were just blown away at how like brutally pretty the Hollywood Hills were, and yeah. those roads, those death-defying yeah, roads awesome. and things. 
Yeah. It's like you no wonder why people fall in love with that place. Yeah, yeah. there's remember, a lot of stuff trying to kill you in California, but it's somehow still really great. I remember <laughs> when I moved out there, I felt that way. I was like in New England, if you fall and trip on a hill, you just roll down the hill. In Los Angeles, if you fall and trip on a hill, you probably die. Like there's a cliff. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> how many how many cadavers are down there now? Yeah. Um, so we were talking and yesterday. And then like the earthquakes and the heat waves and the, uh, just everything. It's, yeah, you pay the price. Inhos- it's inhospitable in California, but the ingenuity of man has somehow made it yeah. livable for human beings. I feel beings. bad about the, the people who like move into the fire country, right? They're just like, oh, man. they know. They're kind of worn. They're like, hey, guys, there's a good chance. And then, yeah. But it's so beautiful or they, they need to do it or they have to live somewhere. Or it's I don't know what it is. But yeah. when the fire comes and it's like, yeah. That's what happens. It sucks. It, just a couple more things. We were talking yesterday about um, kind of some of the scams that are around filmmaking historically in Hollywood, yeah. et cetera. And one of the things you said was that people will disrupt scenes yeah. in order to shake the production down. Sure. Give us an example of how, how that works. It's happened a couple times. So I know, so yeah. I can do it. It's happened a couple times um, that I've been part of it. I think once we were shooting a movie um, in the valley somewhere and some guy was just mowing his lawn. And he wouldn't stop, and we had to. Somebody went over there and paid him. Um, one time, I was like doing some sort of promo thing at the Santa Monica. Who's the guy who would pay him? What's his job? Is he a PA? I'm trying to think who that was. Probably the locations guy. Locations guy. Yeah. Okay, so he's yeah. got a petty cash. Uh... Totally. Oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. be like, hey, go. This guy <laughs> Your job is camp. to grease people. That's cool. right. <laughs> and then I did it personally one time. We were doing some weird promo thing on the Third Street Promenade, and there was a busker right playing yep. guitar, and. Um, we asked her if she would like shuffle away a little bit, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't. I mean, I think they like reserve those spots. I think like the um, the busking is very organized there. Like you have to get yeah, a spot. Yeah. So so she wasn't her, shuffling away. She was not shuffling away. So we gave her a hundred bucks, and she went away. This is the truth about that story, Alice. He strangled her to death. Yeah, <laughs> that's by always by a hundred bucks. I mean strangu- <laughs> strangulation. That was the cost of lime and a glad trash bag. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. Um, sure. Today's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we were about to go uh, feast yep. at a number of swanky houses here yeah. in South Carolina. Uh, do you enjoy turkey? Yeah, I do. Dark meat. I like a dark meat guy. Are you sure you're not just being diplomatic because dark the people great. will listen to this who we're about to see? Dark meat's great. It's dark meat's great. So if you could have any food in Thanksgiving, it would be dark meat turkey. <laughs> I would probably ask for a bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy, but mm-hmm. I do like dark meat. Okay. I'm a mashed potato guy. The wife's stuffing. I'm mashed potatoes. Oh, stuffing is a winner. All you like stuff the stuffing? Oh my god! I would if if I wasn't on my new lifestyle program. You, yeah. I don't know if you, know you look great, by the way. Thank you very much. You look great. Um, Even since I've gotten here, I feel like you've your cheekbones are more protru- <laughs> protruding. <laughs> you do. You, you do have, look people good. can't see Tom on camera because one of our cameras is broken. But um, he has on a third uh, skinny oh, yeah. shirt in a row. That, is that a new that shirt? newly fits him. It's no, an it's old a, shirt. It's yeah. one of the old shirts again. that I bought that was a 2XL, but yep. it was stretchy. Yeah. So it just hugged my fat, so I could never wear it. Right. So now it hugs my fat less. Yeah. So now I'm wearing it. You look great, man. Thank you. I'm yeah. going to try to go move to an all-pink flamingo theme on yeah, my clothes. Yeah, I like it. I've got some pink stuff. Yeah, if you can... Well, I mean, you live in Hollywood. It's different. Yes. Yeah, you true. get different rules. Or you don't have to be street uh, survivalist like I do and macho. All right. So, hey, so is there anything you want to plug? Anything you're up to? Any company people should look into? Any websites? Uh, your uh, OnlyFans? No, I, I don't really do that. So I got nothing. S- none of your uh, pornography from the past that you want to drive no. people from the 80s? No, just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably wise. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate this. We're going to uh, set you free soon. You're going to hear Alice eloquently uh, take us out. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Morgan in the chat said that people saying they don't like turkey sound like children. <laughs> oh, please. God, what a fifth-rate animal. Um, you can always join our live streams if you want to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash burnbarrel. You can also always listen for free. Burnbarrelpodcast.com has all the places you can listen. You can watch on YouTube, on Rumble, if you like those things. Um, but in general, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll, we will see you Sunday. Say la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hello this is danny pellegrino host of the everything iconic podcast and i'm here to tell you all about splash refresher because hydration is mandatory but boring is not now i love my water but if i don't spice it up i'm not going to finish what i took out of the fridge that's why i love my splash refresher which is flavorful delicious bright hydrating and zero calories the wild berry flavor is my fave no wait is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.